Hey everyone, welcome back to another season of the Easy Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Furkandavia. I'm really excited about the second season of this podcast and being able to share more episodes with all of you. And I'm really grateful for all the feedback and support I've received. It just encourages me to keep doing this even more. For the first episode of this season, I'm really excited to have Angela Bead on the podcast. Angela is the uh, host of the Mission Manhood podcast and also the face behind the Mission Manhood page on Instagram. Uh, Angela is the mother of three boys and she talks about the work she does with men in the counseling and mediation space. Uh, And in this episode, Angela and I also talk about toxic masculinity and what that means from a female perspective. I really hope you can get a lot out of this episode. And if at the end you could leave a five-star review, I would truly appreciate it. All right, Angela, thanks for joining the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Super grateful that we've been able to connect and have this opportunity to have a conversation today. Uh, But before we get started, I want to give you some time to introduce yourself, the work you're doing, and, uh, you know, touch on the podcast you have as well. And, and then we can get into the purpose of the conversation we want to have today. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, I am first and foremost, a mom of, of three boys, and they are 16, 19 and 22. So um, I'm also a licensed professional counselor. And I recently joined the faculty of conflict resolution training to teach continuing ed to therapists. And the subject is uh, mediation. So just something else they can add to their uh, toolbox there. And I'm also uh, the creator of Mission Manhood on Instagram. And just recently, about six episodes ago, started a podcast called the Mission Manhood Podcast. So I'm very excited about that. Yeah, that's amazing. And where are you based just for the listeners? Yeah, I am in Austin, Texas. Awesome. Yeah, I've been able to, I've been fortunate enough to talk to people all over the states and have them on as a podcast. So uh, that's been amazing. And and you touched on the mission manhood work you're doing, uh, the Instagram page and the podcast. What uh, inspired you uh, to, to start that uh, page or, or the work you're doing in that space? Yeah, I think for me, having three boys, I've always been curious, um, wanting to raise them in a really balanced way. And I picked up at a used bookstore one time, the book King, Warrior, Magician, and Lover by Robert Moore and Douglas Gillette. Mm -hmm. And it just really opened my eyes to that balance and, and helping understand some of their behaviors and responding to those. And then I incorporated that into my my practice as a therapist. And I saw how men really responded to that in a positive way. It was easy for them to understand maintaining balance and seeing how if they got off one way or the other, it really affected things. So it gave us a tool that they didn't feel intimidated about always having to get so emotional. We could just keep it on. Well, where did you get out of balance? So that's kind of how that all started. And then recently, I just believe we're sort of heading everything's getting kind of chaotic it seems 
in the United States politically and socially in every way, culturally. Um, we seem to be swirling into chaos. And to me, that's we're all out of balance kind of collectively on the feminine side and we need to kind of regain our balance and have some structure and order. And so it just seemed like the right time to, to get in the space. I had been observing it for a while. So last June, I started Mission Manhood on Instagram. And like I said, just recently started the podcast. Mm -hmm. And that's, I, I, and I think uh, I've had a few guests come on here and talk about the imbalance. And, you know, we haven't been able to dig a bit, like not as deep as I would like in terms of where, why we have this imbalance. But I'd like to get your perspective on it. Like, you know, when you talk about that shift and often the analogy that's used, it's like the pendulum, right? It sw swings so much in one direction that you often need it to kind of come back. Um, what are some of the things that you're seeing and why do you think that is the case right now? Yeah, so the way I always look at it is three levels. Um, you have to get that balanced in your own heart, which I can tell by looking at your stuff, you understand that you have to you know, have the nurturing care and the structure and order in order to be a balanced human. And then I believe in relationships, you almost need to be a shapeshifter. So if one person is, is more rigid or structural structure and order, you know, you kind of need to be softer. And so that can be fluid and go back and forth. It has less to do with being a man or a woman or that than people imagine. Um, and so I think, you know, on the next level out is our culture and society. I just think that, you know, people believe that things like political correctness are a good idea. And so it's the kind of because I said so attitude that parents get sometimes. Mm -hmm. And it's not allowing people to have a voice. And so I didn't mention this, but part of my training for a therapist is internal family systems therapy. Mm -hmm. And the whole basis of that is you get centered in self and you learn to cultivate that. And then any part of you, good, bad, ugly, you know, from the deepest shadow all the way to the, you know, loudest manager, this critic, they're all welcome at the table. And because you've learned to be a good self manager, you can manage your parts. And so what I see kind of on this outer level is we're being run around by all the parts and we're not coming together in that self energy and allowing each other to talk. We're not seeing each other. We're blaming each other and calling each other names. And so I see it kind of out of balance in that way. Mm -hmm. And because it is chaotic, I just believe it is more of, of the feminine that is out of balance. And my fear to your point about the pendulum is we're gonna swing so far back the other way to try to correct it. And we're already starting to see some of that. People that don't have a voice, eventually they explode out of the shadow. And you've probably seen that, you know, working with people in their, their shadow self. So that, that would be my concern and another mm -hmm. reason why I got involved because I do believe that as men respond to like the labels of toxic masculinity, don't swing back so far that you actually become that, mm -hmm. you know, let's find a place in the middle where we can talk and everybody can have their concerns heard and needs met, hopefully. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think 
the shadow work is extremely important in my mind, uh, at least what I've seen is that's where people, they tend to bury that, right? And yeah. and they try to avoid it because they're themselves are, whether it's shame or what society's dictated in terms of, well, you know, being a certain way is frowned upon or not accepted. So people tend to shy away from from it rather than face it. And, you know, some of the work I'm doing, and I'm currently in school for psychology, but just learning about existential therapies and, and like logotherapy, just facing those fears and accepting them for what they are uh, can make a huge difference. And, and I feel like part of the chaos that you're referring to happens because we are ourselves afraid of that shadow. Exactly. And we tend yeah. to project that on other people. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, there's the biblical reference of, you know, the plank in your eye and this, well, this plank in my eye and the speck in yours. Mm -hmm. I can spend all the time thinking about what's wrong with you and then totally avoid what's wrong with me. So it makes it kind of convenient for me to have an enemy or someone that I'm against because I can avoid doing my work. Mm -hmm. So yeah yeah and then you know talking about toxic masculinity like i would like to you know get your perspective and, and there's a few questions that i want to ask but first of all from a you know get a feminine perspective on it but at the same time when you're doing this work uh with men you know how is that received um is it intimidating for, for them that uh you know someone like yourself is coming and telling them what are their parts that they need to work on? How does that all, you know, uh, kind of shape up for you? Yeah, I, I think that, well, first of all, what I always tell people the first session is we may or may not be a good fit. And after three sessions or so, if you're not feeling comfortable here, if you don't feel like you have a voice or that you can tell me, be honest, if, if the direction we're going in is not right for you, then it might be that you need to find another therapist. And so I, I treat it like that. So I find that people that stick with me, you know, they've, they've realized that I'm someone that they can trust. So, so that right there um, allows me to say some things, but as far as the term toxic masculinity, I try to avoid that term because mm -hmm. it is very, very triggering to men and in the men's space, um, I don't want to be offensive and I don't want to, you know, come across, especially being a woman in the men's space. I don't want to come across as someone who's saying, you know, I know everything and, and this is how you need to, you need to be. But I do have some definite ideas about what I think, you know, toxic masculinity truly is. Um, it is not masculinity. We actually need, um, masculinity for that balance that we're talking about just like we need femininity so yeah so i mean when you talk about it then maybe do you mind elaborating what is it then you know because i i find like part part of the problem with social media is like you've got a lot of people out there throwing terms out without defining right. defining them or knowing what they mean uh, yeah. and one of my favorites is gaslighting. Yes, yes, <laughs> gaslighting. Just throw that out. Yeah, and the other one is like narcissistic, right? And yeah. and that gets thrown around a lot. And the one I'm seeing, or the two other ones that I'm seeing quite frequently now on social media, is 
toxic positivity and toxic masculinity. And, you know, I try to read the messages, but I don't, I don't feel like people are able to explain what it is, but because yeah. it's such a, a, a fad or a catchy, it's like the phrase of the day, people are using it. Um, and that's also, I find like another form of imbalance because now you've got people talking about stuff that they don't even understand and they're labeling others saying, Oh, you, you, you gaslighted me or, you know, you're, you're doing this and not fully understanding what it means. So, mm -hmm. sorry, I, I didn't want to go off on a tangent, but, you know, I want to understand from your perspective, like what does toxic masculinity mean? How does this show up? And, you know, how do people, um, address it if they feel yeah they, yeah well before i get to that let me mm -hmm. back up and address what you just said about yeah. the the name calling that's bullying mm -hmm. and you know before we really got to this place i would tell my clients i don't negotiate with parts so if back to the internal family systems if i can get someone to join me in self and we can be self to self I can talk to you about my concerns and we have, we are holding the space for each other. If someone is coming to me um, in their parts or in their ego, and they're not willing to go to that place with me, we really can't have a conversation. And we're seeing that on social media. So I always advise people, you know, dial it down, turn it off, you know, don't engage as much uh, just for your own mental health. So there's that. And then as far as the, the masculinity question, um, I think I told you that there's three areas that I focus on. The first one is foundational healing. And mm -hmm. so a lot of times I found in my practice that men hadn't done that work or they were less willing to do that work of going deeper and observing the shadow. They are more inclined to go out. And that's a very masculine trait. So for me, I'm a very feminine woman. It's very natural for me to go inward. I could really sit in my meditation chair for hours and you know, sometimes all day and I would be perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. I, I have to force myself to go out because I have to be successful in the world too. And so for men that it's very natural for them to go out, it's almost difficult for them to come in and kind mm -hmm. of scary at the same time and then we haven't really done a really great job of helping men to embrace their feminine side. On an episode the other day, I told a guy that um, we do a great job of teaching our girls to embrace their masculine side. We tell them to be the queen with the vision. We encourage them to be a strong warrior woman and take care of themselves. We encourage them to acquire knowledge like the magician, um, but we don't do as great of a job teaching our little boys to you know, go in and teaching them a meditative practice and to examine their feelings, we, you know, continually push them out. So I think men are kind of set up to avoid that by our culture and society. So that's one thing I try to help people to see that until you go in and allow yourself to see and learn to love yourself, you're always going to have that struggle with the inner child and the inner critic. And men, I found just when they get honest with me, are like brutal to themselves. Mm -hmm. And that inner critic is just constantly shaming that inner child. And usually they've taken on the voice of a parent or you know someone in their formative years. And if I can get them to get still and quiet, I'll say, who is that? 
And I had one guy one day say, oh, hello, mother, you know. So it's not always obvious who it is. It might be a conglomeration or maybe it's a voice that you came up with to protect yourself from someone on the outside. And so just beginning to show people that they don't have to do that, um, that they can manage that part. I don't need you to do that for me. I'm not going to speak to myself that way. So that healing is the first step. The second step, just really quickly, is learning that divine dance between the masculine and feminine, learning to be a good mother to yourself and a good father to yourself. And men, you know, in my practice, I found that they're really, they drive themselves, they, they have good structure and order, but they have frozen chicken nuggets in the icebox and, you know, don't have their house furnished and there's no nurturing care. Mm -hmm. And so just little things like that. But the, the bulk of it is those four archetypes. And once we get through that kind of inner healing and get someone working on that, those four archetypes are the king, the warrior, the magician, and the lover. Mm -hmm. And so if you can picture it, there's a center point, and then there's the too much energy and too little energy. And so we're just trying to find that, that, that place in the middle. So I feel like there's also the corresponding immature masculine, which is the prince, the hero, the precocious child, and the Oedipal child. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm working with a man, they'll come in, tell me their story, what happened that week. And I'll say, you know, what does that feel like? Does it feel more childish or does it feel, you know, more, you know, like an older part of you? And if they say, you know, yeah, it feels kind of childish, you know, maybe that's, that's the, the immature masculine part that we're dealing with. So for me, just briefly, I think toxic masculinity to me is an abuse of power. And it's a lot of times if you're off balance, maybe too much energy. So the, the too much energy of the king is tyrant. Mm -hmm. and too much energy from the warrior is the sadist so i'm gonna hurt people i'm gonna you know use my power over people um the magician is the manipulator and for the lover it's addiction mm -hmm. so you can see how that kind of energy if i'm not doing my inner work and striving to stay balanced men are stronger they're stronger than children, they're stronger than women, and they're stronger than other men who haven't mm -hmm. reached that height in the hierarchy. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I see. And just finally, and I'll let you, you know, follow up, but I learned more about toxic masculinity from my male clients than I ever did from my female clients. And hearing the stories of how some of these men had been hurt and how they're still being hurt because they haven't done that work of healing inside yeah no and you know a lot of the things you you mentioned resonate for me and you know i i've been fortunate enough to do some of the you know i mean the way i look at it the shadow work or the healing your inner child for me at least i found it's gonna be a lifelong journey because yes. there's always new things that are coming up um, but one of the powerful stories that I wanted to share in my personal experience, and I haven't talked about it on my podcast yet, but I was going for therapy and I started doing EMDR. And for people that don't know what EMDR it's, I can't remember what the D is, but it's eye movement, 
displacement reprocessing, something of that form. But basically, you recall uh, experiences from your childhood that have really stuck with you. And I did that and I went through that process. And <clears throat> at the end, when my therapist was closing the session, she basically told me to picture that inner child. And I was able to go back to, and I think everyone has a certain age in their lifetime that they go back to when they're triggered, right? And for me, it was yeah. my six-year-old version. And the powerful experience for me was when I, basically, I felt this healing inside of me when I just visualized my present self going and attending to the six-year-old uh, and just telling them everything was going to be okay. And, and that was such a powerful experience. And it really brought me a lot of awareness in terms of, you know, when you talk about shadow work and, and healing the inner child, like I was able to realize a lot of the stuff I the negative talk I have with myself, where it was coming from, and whose voice it was, and, and what I really needed all along from the age of six, till, you know, a couple of years ago, when I started doing this form of therapy. So, you know, for for men out there, you know, there's nothing wrong uh, with, it is hard, because you have to go face a lot of these uh incidents or situations from your lifetime that you've tucked away and they keep coming up in different ways but it is powerful healing because not only are you able to figure out where it started but you're also able to put it to bed and yeah. um, I mean like I said I still struggle with it at times because it is an ongoing process but just the work you put in and and the fact that you're able to understand where that negative self-talk comes from and when you're triggered what it is that you really need in that moment not only are you able to give that to yourself but you're also able to ask for it from your partners or uh, people that are really close to you yeah and you know that's such a great point that you make and I always tell people look if you don't get this right if you don't learn to do it for yourself if you don't learn to comfort yourself you're going to outsource that to someone else Mm -hmm. And that's why we pick partners that aren't great for us because we're looking for somebody to do that job. And so a man might pick a partner that reminds him of his mother or is the opposite of his mother if he had a really bad relationship. So you're not really getting centered within yourself and understanding what you need. You're responding. Your little child is picking your partner, basically. Mm -hmm. So I've seen that a lot, too. Yeah, yeah, no, I've experienced it myself. Yeah. Um, and again, until I didn't have the awareness, I just didn't know why, you know, I was in these relationships and not having my needs met. And then until I did that work, and I started looking back, I'm like, okay, <laughs> I could see the pattern over and over again. And it was the same relationship. And it was basically, I was feeding that negative thought pattern I had about myself those needs I had from being six years old I was repeating that pattern and finding that same uh, quality or thing in my partners and it was reaffirming that same message I've been telling myself my entire life that oh you know whether it's I'm not good enough or uh, whether I'm not good enough for myself or other people it was that same message I'd been telling and I was reaffirming that through the partners I was choosing um, and until I didn't do that work and 
didn't come to that realization. I didn't know what I wanted in a partner, you know, like I had an idea, but until you don't do that work and then you're able to pick out the red flags. Right. So it's important. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that learning to love yourself truly is the greatest love. And the reason is because when you learn to love yourself and you treat yourself like someone you really care about, you won't accept anything less from someone else. And so you hold them to the same standard that you're holding yourself to. Like, I don't allow myself to talk to myself in a rude way anymore. Mm -hmm. And that has taken me a really long time um, to do. So I, I have a lot of love for myself and compassion. And, and when it goes off the rails, you know, I return to meditation. I try to figure out what's going on. It's not always easy, but um, yeah, that, that self-love. The, the second reason it's so great, not only because you stop outsourcing it and you demand people treat you the way you're treating. The other reason it's so important is because you, what you don't transform, you will transmit. Mm-hmm. And so whether you're caring for children or whether you're, you're transmitting that onto your partner or it's coming across to your employees, if you haven't transformed it in your own heart, you know, it's like a weed. You have no idea where it's going to pop up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's another reason to, to do that work as well. Yeah. And I think one of the analogies I learned this week in school, and I thought it was brilliant, is it's, it's like when you're, when you're flying and I don't know, I haven't flown, been on a plane in a year, but <laughs> yeah. uh, so it feels ancient. But, you know, uh, when when the stewardess tells you if in an emergency, the ga- uh, oxygen mask comes down, you have to put yours on first before you can even help anyone else. Right. Even yeah, if it's your it's own so child. True. And that's kind of where self-love is. Like, if you can't take care of yourself first, how can you expect to be in a relationship and take care of someone else? And like you said, you do transmit it, you know, like you often, it, again, if you don't have the awareness and if you haven't done that work, you get triggered and you basically project your feelings onto this other person who has no clue what's going on. Right. Yeah. And <laughs> so I think that's very important. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, no, I, I think that's, uh, that's great that we've been able to talk about this. Um, and, and I think along the same lines, uh, I recently made a post about boundaries too, right? And that's where it comes in. If you set boundaries and you don't follow them yourself, you're basically, the message you're sending other people is that, hey, you know what? I've got porous boundaries. It's okay to cross them. And then yeah. you can sit there and get upset with people. But if you haven't role modeled the behavior of how you want to be treated, how can you expect others to give you anything different? Yeah, that's true. And that, you know, is just right along the lines of that self-love. You do that for yourself and then you will learn to expect that from others as well. Mm-hmm. So, so along these lines, like what kind of, um, are, are you able to share some of the tips you give men? And I know we've talked about therapy and doing the inner work, but what are some other things men can do? And, you know, it, like meditation, obviously we talk about it a lot and it's definitely one of those buzz words right now um but most men i talk to myself included we really struggle with sitting in silence right and Mm -hmm. uh one of the things that i try to tell people is you know like meditation isn't sitting 
in one place with your eyes closed. Like it could be anything. As long as you're focused on your breath, you could be walking, you could be, you know, sometimes I can find even at the gym in between my sets, I can meditate, you know, just yeah. through breathing. So what are some tips that you share with men in terms of being able to ground themselves and find that uh, ability to bring themselves a center and, and feel balanced? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, that's kind of why I like internal family systems therapy. And I've combined that with my meditation practice. So it's as close as your breath. And what I encourage people to do is just breathe down and kind of picture an elevator, sort of going into that heart space. And you breathe into it. And I ask my mind and my body to yield because I'm, I need to not think and I need to, you know, sometimes I get so fidgety and really I think that's sort of an avoidance thing. You don't want to go to the silence. So I ask my mind and my body to yield just for a few seconds. And for beginners, I say, set your timer for three minutes mm-hmm. and see what you can accomplish. And so from that centered place, I'm observing my thoughts and I'm observing the sensations in my body. So I, I scan. If I can get my mind to be still for a minute, then I go to my body. If I can't, then I might have a few thoughts I need to deal with. Sometimes I'll pick up a piece of paper and write a little to-do list just so my mind will let me meditate. And so then I pay attention to my body and I might have a nervous feeling in my stomach. And so I'll just turn my attention to that and breathe into it. And so sometimes that's a part um, that's maybe needing some attention. Maybe that's the inner child. And that's where I experience that. Maybe it's a clenching in my chest. So I breathe into that. What is that about? And sometimes the information will just kind of bubble up. Like I'm scared about that meeting today. Oh, yeah. And then from, with that compassion from self, I can just talk to that part and say, you know what? I did everything I was supposed to do. I have helpers. I'm not worried about that you know, so, and then it just bubbles away that anxiety. So just having that love and compassion. So to your point, for people that cannot stand silence, that gives you something to do. Um, You can practice asking your mind to yield, you can turn your attention to the sensations in your body. And then sometimes I feel like it's completely silent there. And I just picture it like a cool cave, like, temperature cool I mean just very comforting and it's very enjoyable and so if you if you set your timer and you know that there's probably only 60 seconds left maybe you could just relax there and it just kind of gives you that clarity that you need and I find when I can get to that place where my mind and my body is really still it's a rare thing but when the alarm does go off I feel like energized and it's a great source of energy so I say practice, practice, practice makes perfect. You might not get there every day, but if you practice three to five minutes a day, then that might go to six to seven. Right. Um, you, yeah. may, you may find that it's very helpful. No, and I agree about the energizing aspect of it for sure. And um, in my personal experience, uh, what I found, you know, especially if you're struggling with doing it yourself, guided meditation is amazing. There's so many apps and you don't really need to do anything. They just kind of guide you through your breathing. And that is, you know, especially if you're a beginner, it 
has a profound effect. And like you said, you, you do feel energized. Um, the other piece, I think people kind of underrate this or think of it as an, a negative aspect of meditation, but you're going to have thoughts come to you. Uh, it's not like you can just block everything out. And rather than trying to not think about it <laughs> and lose focus, it's better to accept the thoughts when they come mm -hmm. to you and process them. And, you know, and like you said, try to recognize where in your body you're feeling a sensation when that thought comes to you and try to yeah. breathe through it. Um, I find that really helpful. And, you know, I, I hope people can try some of these things because meditation does help and and there's no set timeline uh you could do it like you said for three minutes five minutes whatever feels right i know for some people too um like walking and running they can engage in that activity and just practice clearing their minds and i know runners naturally get to that point where they experience that high where all they can pay attention to is the struggle of continuing to run mm -hmm. and so for people that really struggle with being still and quiet maybe a walk where you're just really seeing the leaves or seeing the sky or allowing yourself to be present in your moment. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So other than uh, like the grounding aspect or, you know, finding that space where you can just energize yourself, what are some other things men can do? Uh, especially, I think the, the biggest challenge from what I hear from other people, and again, myself is when you're triggered. And often that is the hardest time, like, especially when you're triggered, you know, and you're in that arousal cycle, there's that moment where you're either fight or flight. And just because, you know, your reptilian brain kicks in and it's in those moments that it's the hardest to be able to like, just pull yourself back and, and go and meditate. You mm -hmm. typically respond in the way you've always known. Yeah. You know, you had a, a quote on your on your Instagram page about creating that buffer. I think it was Viktor Frankl that yeah. between the, the event, you have a buffer. And I believe that that is one of the most important reasons why you, why you do this practice, why you ask your mind to yield and you ask your body to yield and you get centered in self so that when something does arise, you start to see it as one of those parts. And you can say, you know what? I don't need you to do that for me right now. And then I can use language to the person who's triggering me, like there's a part of me that wants to scream at you right now and I need to go sit with that part. And so if you're in partnership with someone and they hear that, they're like, yes, you go do what you need to do and we can get back together when it's calm and we can talk about what just happened. So it gives you that just that brief second where you can name the part instead of allowing that part to take over your voice and, and scream at the person or you know, run or avoid or whatever it is that that you you normally do. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's something I try to share on, uh, on my page as well as being able to take that moment to just pause. And that's when you can like rewire your brain in a way, right? The, the more times you practice it, and the more times you pause, you're not responding uh, fight or flight, you're able to take that moment to just rethink and understand that, you know, whatever threat you've perceived is not real. It's not the same as what you had perceived as a child. And when you learned how to respond like that. So it's being able to practice those moments of pausing and, and choosing to respond differently. 
um, is, is crucial. That's a really good point. And I tell my clients this a lot. Sometimes you have to let that little mantra go through your head. This is not that. This is not what I experienced when I was six years old. This is not that. And so it gives that inner child a minute to sit. You know, you, you can go sit down. You Thank you for the alarm, but I don't need you to do that right now. I don't need you to run away in fear or, or get scared. Um, sometimes when I'm having a therapeutic massage, it's kind of the same thing. It hurts. It hurts really badly. And I have to tell myself, this is love. This is love. This is healing, you know, because it doesn't feel like that. And my body wants to respond as if someone is attacking me. Mm-hmm. So just learning to find that center and start to, as we said before, treat yourself like someone you really care about and learning to manage your parts. It really does give you a lot of power over your circumstances and you, you're not tossed about by your mind and emotions anymore. And it's such a freeing thing and it's really mm-hmm. worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think that's amazing. And I think we've touched on uh, a lot of important topics here, uh, especially from the masculinity side and, and being able to attend to our inner child or, or doing that shadow work, but then also realizing that how it shows up uh, even in our daily lives today, right? And and like I said, I still struggle with it. And the way I look at it, it's going to be a lifelong journey. But um, yeah, as long sure. as as long as I'm aware of it, and you know, like you said, from childhood, like one of the things I'm doing is teaching my son, who's eight, the things that I wish I knew, right? The things I'm learning now, I'm teaching him, him uh, at the age age of eight. So I'm hopeful he is able to work through some of that stuff a lot better than, you know, myself or, or even my friends that I see that struggle. So um, it's really important to foster that in children, uh, if, especially if, if we have that awareness today. Yeah. Well, you know, that goes back to what I said earlier. Historically, we haven't done as great of a job with our boys. And so by you giving him these tools and teaching him that, yes, you have to find that space within where you can manage your mind and manage your emotions I mean, he's naturally going to be healthier because he's starting out with those tools, whereas you're at whatever age you are just now acquiring them. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think we're doing a better job m- taking the stigma away from mental health and allowing people to treat it just like dental work. I mean, yes, of course, we need to go to our therapist or of course we need to work these tools. So. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of the purpose of my podcast is to normalize these conversations. And hopefully, you know, other men that are listening, feel comfortable enough to talk about it. And and I've been extremely humbled by the amount of people that reach out to me after the fact saying, Oh, yeah, that was amazing. I learned so many things. So that's the hope. Um, But yeah, you know, I want to thank you again for coming on here and having this conversation with me sharing some really valuable insight and information i guess for i know you talked about your instagram page and and some of the work you're doing with mission manhood but for people that want to find you on social media what are some of the best ways to to get a hold of you yeah on instagram it's at mission manhood and in that there's a link tree where they can access the podcast i also am at angela abide and most everywhere else um at Angela Abide. And my website is AngelaAbide.com. And it's in the process. It looks okay, but you really can't click on anything right now. So in the next month or two, I'm hoping that'll be fully operational. 
So, but I really appreciate you and the work that you're doing. And one of my favorite things about your, your Instagram feed that I haven't seen too many other places is you take some complicated subjects and really break them down so people can understand. And I think that's super valuable because not everybody understands what, like you were saying before, you know, what is um, gaslighting? Mm -hmm. So I love the way you do that. No, I appreciate that. And for me, I'm just like, <laughs> I'm a total nerd. So uh, yeah. I read a lot. So when I'm reading stuff, I'm like, oh, I have to share this with other people because this is such great information. Um, but it's funny you mentioned that because those are the posts that I don't get a lot of interaction with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I do like it though. And yeah, yeah. No, thank you so much. Um, you know, again, I'm super grateful to, to meet you and have this conversation. And I hope we can continue to have this dialogue uh, in the future. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed it. I'm well, that's the end of the episode. Thank you again for tuning in. As always, please leave a five-star review. And until next week. <laughs>